We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast, talking Oklahoma City Thunder basketball and the wider NBA. Sam Presti said, lower the hatch, load up the cannon, and get the tank out rolling. Catch new episodes after each Thunder game and every Sunday night. (laughs) This is a house of learning doctors. Follow The Uncontested on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to catch new content as it drops. I mean, a cat and a dog connected together? This is Lou Dork. You're listening to The Uncontested. What? Welcome to The Uncontested Podcast. Coming to you live Halloween night, October 31st. It is I, Jacob Niffin, your host tonight. It's a two-man game. We've got Taylor Peterson along for the ride. The uh, Josh Giddy SGA game. Um, happy Halloween, Jacob. And most yes. importantly, congratulations. Yes. Happy spooky season. The married life. How's it feeling? Bang. Oh, you got the ring. Uh, like it. it feels not- just like pre-married <laughs> life. <laughs> exactly. Nothing has changed. Nothing changed except the ring on your finger. But hey, that's exciting. Allie, yeah. uh, we got married at 3 p.m. We had a party at 7 p.m. Allie had the stomach bug at 10 p.m. Oh, so here we are. Welcome folks. to marriage. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. So, um, thanks for all the shout outs and everyone, everything uh, from everybody on Twitter. Much appreciated. Uh, Taylor and I go in the two man game tonight. Before we dive into some basketball, I'd like to let you guys know that we are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, the official podcast of SI Thunder. Taylor? Before we uh, we dive into some bigger themes, let's do a quick recap of the week. Let's do it. The Thunder Who's started this week playing the Golden State Warriors Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday night? Monday Tuesday night. night. Tuesday night. Uh, at home, first, second home game of the season. They're all bleeding together now. Uh, Thunder lose at 106-98 in a fairly competitive game. Um, they were leading the Warriors for a while and just kind of slipped up down the stretch. Kind of felt like the Thunder ran out of gas. They followed that performance up with their first one of the season. Taylor and I post-game podcasted after this one. Uh, a win versus the Los Angeles Lakers, 123 to On the 115. Back to back, too. Yes. Uh, an impressive <laughs> win for the Thunder. Uh, great for them. 
they were getting the brake speed off of them early and just came storming back, specifically on the back of a massive Shea Gilgis-Alexander third quarter. If you want the breakdown of that game, highly suggest that you go and listen to Taylor and I's post game after that. Taylor, on that, we didn't dive too much into the whole Russell Westbrook getting pissed off yeah. after Darius Baisley dunks the basketball. Um, a lot of irony there. A lot of irony. A lot of irony. Uh, him doing it, I, I tweeted this out from our account the next morning, but like the side by side image of him um, originally, you know, against Kevin Durant, the that same look, right? And him looking at KD and pointing, go, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah. And uh, then this, and then also, like, I think, I want to say it was Joe Masato, but I could be making that up. I don't want to misquote that. But somebody uh, put out an article and um, or tweet out an image of an old article uh, talking about Russ doing something similar in a game against Sacramento back in, like, 2012 or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of irony there. Right. Yep. Kind of funny. I Defender it. wrapped up the week uh, out in California. They played in Golden State on Saturday uh, not a fun one. 82 not to 103. The Thunder made it competitive in the second quarter, but then the third quarter came out, and I think Steph hit three threes in two minutes, and that was kind of the the nail in the coffin. Nope. Uh, some other Thunder news throughout the week, Taylor. The OKC Blue played their uh, like a preseason scrimmage that Trey Mann was assigned to. He was. I didn't realize he played in that scrimmage. Yes, he got sent down to the G League and <laughs> played in that yeah. scrimmage huh. uh, along with Vít Kretschke. Surprised that Trey got sent down to play in the G League game and not go out to the West Coast with Thunder Taylor. Yep, um, a little bit for sure, um, especially because you know we mentioned <laughs> uh, this year being the year I think to get some of those guys some burn, um, especially and we talked a lot about this on our Wednesday night podcast, but Teo Maladon getting all the minutes that he did compared to guys like a Ty Jerome and even a Trey Mann. But um, for what it's worth, Dignot did come out and say in a um, one of his press uh, availabilities that he had that he talked to Trey about this before the Utah game. So that's the season opener, and they knew all along this was going to be the plan for him. And he even mentioned uh, him being Dignot brought up a really good point that, you know, this is the first full regular season um, for the blue in two years, right? Because you had obviously COVID and then also uh, then like the weird bubble mm-hmm. um, last season. And he mentioned that um, if the blue would have been here in OKC this past season, we would have seen guys like Teo and um, Poku a little more. And there's one other player who didn't play last year. Oh, um, well, Ty Jerome did play with the blue or was rehabbing with the blue, but there was mm-hmm. one other player he mentioned as well um, that would have gotten some time with the blue last season that was on this team. Um, instead because of the whole bubble situation. So all that to say, I think they're going to be utilizing it pretty heavy. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't think Giddy would go, but like seeing, um, I don't know, maybe JRE goes back and forth a little bit. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing JRE or Giddy based off their start going, but yeah, I had a, a bet at the beginning of the season with, I can't remember if you or Justin took it, that Trey Mann would play more G League games than Thunder games. Yep. And I wasn't feeling good about it. And now I'm kind of swinging the pendulum back to the other way. I don't want getting, sorry, I don't want Trey to play a bunch of G league games, but I think that's a good place for him to find his rhythm and a good place for him to play with the ball in his hands a whole lot. I think, uh, and again, somebody else tweeted this and was talking about this as well, but we're going to see a lot of, and and we've talked about this on our podcast, guys playing for both teams on the same night, right? Like, especially with them playing in the paycom. 
Uh, and there's yeah. some quote unquote double headers coming up for the blue. And, well, and the, the, the first one of those being this coming Sunday, oh, uh, OKC okay. blue plays at 11 AM uh, yep. a week from tonight. And then the thunder a week from today. And then the thunder play at 6 PM that night. Perfect. So, so we could see the first ever NBA player play in a G league game and a NBA game in the same game, same 24 hours, or, yeah. same day. So I'm, I'm definitely curious. It'll to be see interesting. Well. We're, we're hoping to be out uh, at the G league, uh, this season as well. And so you guys can look forward to our coverage out there. Super excited about that. So, uh, Taylor, only other thing I think thunder related for us to talk about before we dive into some of our plans for tonight's show. There is a lot of national media that are not a fan of the way the thunder are going about rebuilding their team. And it became a hot topic, uh, this week for sure. And it, as uh, Thunder fans and even just as people, you know, trying to be as unbiased as we possibly can covering the team was very frustrating. Again, a lot of takes, I think, being thrown out there that A, weren't accurate, uh, yeah. information that wasn't accurate. Fake and news. B, just, I mean, I, I, I think some of the uh, the original stuff that was coming out earlier in the week was authentic. I would say some of the takes that were coming out towards the latter part of the week were not authentic. It was more <laughs> so people throwing out takes, trying to a create conversation B they're tired of talking about Kyrie and Ben Simmons. And this was something new because, yeah. you know, we can't just talk about basketball, uh, the actual game being played these days. It's all about the other stuff going on. So this is another topic and, and a way for people to get clicks and, and listens and views. Right. Yeah. Um, and just really uneducated takes uneducated. as well. Uh, just firing from the hip, not, I think willful ignorance is probably the right way to put this, Right, that people just didn't, don't want to understand or look critically at what the Thunder are doing as far as a rebuild is concerned. Right. You know, and it's, it, it's a, it, I think a lot of it is like, you know, <laughs> go be a good little small, small market and uh, just stay in the middle where you belong, the middle yeah. of the NBA where you belong. I think there's um, a, also a lot of anger from people for some reason about the idea of hoarding draft picks. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's like th this mantra of like, Oh, the thunder have so many draft picks. Why do they need a tank to get their own pick? Right. And it's like, well, that's the only one you can control. And a lot of the other ones are protected. <laughs> well, and, and there's been a lot of praise thrown Presty's way. Right. So there's mm -hmm. people getting a little bit annoyed about that. Um, and the other why thing is too, beating, is why like, are they celebrating him losing? Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's, exactly. yeah. Like, man, you have to look at this thing like rationally. You have to like understand that there is a a plan and they're executing the plan. And I think some people get mad because they think the Thunder are purposely losing. Like Sam Presti has armed this coaching staff with a lot of young guys who probably aren't going to contribute to winning. But it's not like Mark Day. I mean, if Mark Dagnall was trying to make the team lose every game to get a top pick. He'd be starting Gabby exactly. Deck. Trey Mann would not be in the G League. Yeah, he'd be starting Gabby Deck, and he'd be starting Isaiah Roby, and he would be starting Derek Favre. Like, he wouldn't be limiting his rotation in a game against the Los Angeles Lakers to try to win a basketball exactly. game. You know, we the saw players them. aren't trying to tank. The coaching staff isn't trying to tank. It's not like the front office is saying, hey, go out there and throw games. Instead, they're saying, hey, here's a lot of young guys that we think are going to be good for us for a long time. Have them go out and try to win games. They're probably not going to exactly. be great at this year, but give them an opportunity 
and to learn let's and see what grow we have from in it. some of these players too, right? Like we, exactly. uh, Presley talked a ton, and Dignall both have talked a ton about that preseason and during the season so far about kind of setting a baseline, seeing what you have in some of these players when you do start to take that next step, right? And I think you bring up a good point. I've been, I've had coworkers reaching out to me. I've had you know friends who are more casual fans reach out to me um, throughout the season so far, and you know I keep telling them the, the exact same thing, like. Presti, I mean, I, I think the the prime example is not really having a quote unquote true center. You have Derek Favors, who's not even starting all the time. Uh, JRE is <laughs> not a lot very of fun. good. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Especially at this point in his, in his career. Um, that that right there is going to lose you a bunch of basketball games, but mm-hmm. that allows you to be able to throw Shea out there and let him go off. And a lot of nights still probably won't be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows guys like Josh Giddy to go out and overperform and exceed expectations so early. And you're still going to lose those games, not find yourself where you were at this point last season. Although it seems already like they maybe uh, got a great pick with Josh Giddy. <laughs> but all that to say, you can get one of those top guys that will change your franchise and you can take that next step towards building another contender. Um, but I also think too, Jacob, and I, I will say this, the Saturday Slam and Jam on the Athletic Show, Andrew Schlecht and Alex Spears did a great job. I encourage you guys yeah. all to go and listen to that. They made some really good points. I think the only thing I would add on to what they said especially because I know we're not going to spend as much time on, on it here as they did there. Um, but I just think back to the history of OKC. And look, this even, I, I think a lot of people reacting to the athletic podcast that dropped on Friday, where Mo, I, I can't remember his last name, uh, day before, there was a group of them who were talking about this and were kind of trashing OKC. I have a thought doing. on that whenever you're done. So. And it even, Mo even uh, mentioned the whole Seattle thing. It, he almost like, it almost like Freudian slip, right? And I keep thinking back to, the early days and everybody's like, OKC doesn't deserve a team. They stole that team from Seattle. You have that. I think about the whole Russ situation, right? Where we were all on Russ's side and it was Russ against the world and people really didn't like that. Russ became the face, the, the face of the franchise for a long extended period. Um, and fans were kind of, or sorry, um, I think NBA fans, NBA media were kind of against that and, and still hold that against OKC. There's a lot of animosity there that's carried over. So now they're seeing this, they're seeing a small market do something unconventional in a different way that really hasn't been done before. Um, I know the process Sixers get brought up. There's other teams that have tanked before, but like you mentioned, Jacob, all these draft picks that seeing Presley's hoarding it, it's different. Yeah. And people don't necessarily like that. They don't like that the Thunder had early success after quote unquote, stealing the team. They don't like the whole Russ against the world thing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of that I think going on as well. Um, It's just another thing to poke at OKC they don't really like that. We have a team. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of it. And like, it's just frustrating that you don't hear this hand wringing and this bitching about teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Sacramento right. Kings or the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Houston Rockets, or the New Hornets, Orleans Pelicans, the Phoenix There's, suns. Yeah. Before exactly. they got, you know, like, Raiden. it's just, it's the, the thunder have a clear direction and a clear plan. And, and what they're doing and, and the direction they're going and they're executing that plan. And it's right. like, tell me what the plan in Cleveland is. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or what like, the plan in Sacramento. I mean, Cleveland just signed like four power forward slash centers and it's playing Laurie Markinen at the three and they, nobody knows what they plan on doing with Colin Sexton. Cause they were shopping him. Then they weren't shopping him. And, Right, like it seems like there's no clear direction. They have a GM that's on the hot seat that everyone thinks is going to be the first guy to get fired this year. Like at least the Thunder have drawn up the plan and know what they're aiming for. Um, it, it's like 
everyone wants to make it to the championship, right? Uh, everyone, my analogy is like everybody wants to make it to the restaurant for dinner, but Presty typed the restaurant in on his his Apple Maps on his phone and has clear turn-by-turn directions knowing how to get there. And people are bitching that he's like just now leaving the house. Yeah. Whereas the Sacramento Kings and the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Minnesota Timberwolves and have the Houston Rockets traffic for years. Yeah. And they didn't type the address in on their phone and they're in a city they've never been in. And they're just freaking cruising saying, well, maybe we'll find it. Maybe we'll just randomly pass it. You know, it's like throwing darts blindfolded versus Presti taking his methodical time looking on the scope right. of a gun. Right. Exactly. And it's, I don't it's just very frustrating. Like, this front office has done everything right. They've been shrewd. Uh, they've made the right moves. Uh, they've been great they, to they, they try to win every trade just by a little bit. They, they try to leverage everything they have versus just like doing random weird shit that doesn't make sense, which is like what right. Cleveland does and like what Houston does. They build relationships. I mean, they yeah. Build relationships I mean, why, why don't with- I hear people bitching about the Houston Rockets? I guess just because they got Jalen Green and they got lucky on the, the ping pong balls. I mean, the Houston Rockets traded James Harden for a handful of picks that are probably going to be in the twenties Yep. and Victor Oladipo, who they kept for two months and then flipped for Kelly Olenek, who then didn't resign. Yep. You know, it's like, or the Detroit Pistons who were stuck in the NBA middle towards the bottom of the middle for a yeah, very and long time. Lucky on, on, and now they're going through a rebuild because ping pong balls. Troy Weaver came in and he's trying to implement a similar process and did the but same thing. Trader, decayed, yeah. So it's a little different. Right. Right. Orlando but, last you know season what? traded away all of their best players for draft picks to try to bottom right. out. But nobody bitches about Orlando. And so right. it's it's just it's very frustrating. The and people the that listen to this podcast like, like understand where we're coming from, though. Right. Uh, I don't think you and I continuing to complain <laughs> about to this is going to change anybody's opinion. I will um, say one point though that I don't think is brought up a ton. These people, national media, whatever, they keep mentioning SGA. And I think there's a lot of look, it, this is just the way it is. Those same those same those fame same media, um, those person, those media personalities were like rooting and fist pumping when Kevin Durant left and went to the Warriors, right? So like you have a talent like SGA, they selfishly want him in a bigger market or want them on their team, right? And there's a lot of that as well. If yeah, you don't have whole, SGA, this doesn't get attention. Like the this. blue check mark saying like, when is SGA going to ask out? Same person needs to trade him now. Like it's just it's ridiculous. Like you right. don't think they have had communication? Yeah, his agent is Russell Westbrook's agent. Yeah, and Lou Dort's and agent. And Lou Dort's agent. And I I mentioned the same like as you, you, guys. You think that SGA is just walking around blind, team. just saying, I have no clue what the hell is going to go on. Yeah, I'll right. sign this contract, sure. Like, right. miss me with that bullshit, man. Just yep. miss me with yep. it. Okay, let's stop complaining because I'm getting angry, and I don't want to get angry <laughs> on this podcast. Taylor, we're going to play a game called True or False. I like it's it. It's a really simple game. I get, it's like kind of like uh, you're taking a test. You notice how a lot of my games are teacher themed. Yeah, yeah. I think, it's and, like and, I uh, it's very applicable. It's like I bleed my my profession into the podcast. <laughs> so it's like your old living. school true or false test. I'm going to give you a statement. You need to tell me if that statement is true or false. You also need to tell me uh, why. All right, okay. and then um, we'll see if we agree or disagree on these. Um, are you ready to go? Uh, yes, I, uh, really quickly am pulling up, uh, OKC Thunder stat leaders on NBA.com or actually I just want the team leaders, um, team stats. All right. Yeah. Player stats ready. 
All right, beautiful. I am also getting some statistics pulled up. Our first true or false question, Taylor. Four Thunder players will average double-digit points all season long. Um, for the record, there are currently four Thunder players averaging double-digit points. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is at 22 even. Lou is at 11.7 points a game. Josh is at 10.7 points a game. Darius Baisley at 10 points per game. So at the end of the season, will the Thunder have four players averaging double figures in points? Ooh, so this one, this is a really good one you let off with. Um, I was going to list those four players, um, you know, as uh, as evidence, but you already looked into this, and that's the reason you came up with this one. Um, it's a really good one. I'm torn. The, I would say the reason I am torn right now is because I see that Darius Baisley average of 10 points per game right now. And I'm very curious how that lasts into the season, does it? It, w- it would be bad if it went down, right? But at the same time, if he, if he continues to get the playing time, it probably stays there. Um, because I absolutely think Lou will continue to average double-digit points. I absolutely think Josh Giddy will. In fact, I'm willing to go bold enough here, uh, maybe an overreaction to a limited sample size, and say that Josh Giddy um, will be the second-leading scorer on this team behind SGA this season. I don't think that's no, no, obviously think SGA. That's, that's even too hot. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned so I, Darius Baisley kind of being the swing factor there because I think the other three exactly. are for sure over 10 points a game. Baisley's averaging 10 points even on 37% from the field and 17% from three. 17% from three. That's I mean, bad. On five attempts a game. Attempts okay. 4.8 attempts a game. It's very bad. So, Taylor, four players averaging double figures. Is it true or false? I think it's true um, just because I think – and, and, and we didn't get to do a post game um, after last night's game, but you know, basically really struggled, and especially compared to a really good game he had, you know, two what was that two three Ar- nights ago against yeah, LA? arguably his best game of his career came against Correct. the Lakers. We mentioned and then that. Yeah, game we, comes out. It wasn't just that he missed shots against Golden State. It was, it was entire... this sense of disengagement defensively, not just. There was a play where he and Josh switched a screen and then Darius just kind of stood there at the free throw line and his man popped back out and cut the ball at the three-point line. Then he said, oh, maybe I should go cover that guy and gets a three-splash in his face. And it's it's the inconsistencies of Darius Bates that we've talked about for so long. You don't know. I mean, again, that Lakers game was his best game of his career, how he defended yep. Anthony Davis, how he ran the floor, how he... How he scored over Anthony Davis. Yeah, hit, catch, and shoot threes. He played within himself. He, and then he on Saturday, the it was ball. back to ball stopping hesitate. again. Exactly. It was back to disengaged defense. It's like, I don't know how much longer he starts if you can't trust and know what you're going to get from him night in and night out. Exactly. And I wanted to mention that. And I'm glad you talked about that. A, because we, we didn't get to talk about it last night. But B because I think that factors into this. The Thunder really like and are invested in Darius Baisley. I think they're going to be for the entirety of the season. Now, if he continues to have games like he did last night against Golden State, he might not get that extension, might only you know get the qualifying, qualifying offer for one additional year, whatever. All that being said, I think they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt the majority of the season. He's going to get a lot of burn, and because of that, I think he stays above double digits per uh, points per game. Interesting. I kind of think... And it's going to be frustrating for you, me, think, yeah. us Thunder fans, right? I think if if he is still on this team after the February trade deadline, he's getting a contract extension next summer. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that might be frustrating. Again, that might be, I, I don't, 
know if we'll show see a ton. I hope we do. We might not see a ton of improvement there, but like to your point, yeah. that's when I think we're going to be clamoring for like Poku guys of that nature yeah. to get these minutes. Let's say Baisley does drop below 10 points a game uh, and gets traded or gets benched or something. Who is the next player on the team you think is most likely to jump up above 10 points per game? Oh, the closest okay. ones, Ooh, Mike Muscala is at 8.3 right now. Yeah. Kenrich at 6.8. JRE at 6.2. Favors at 5.8. Roby I, at 5.2. Yep. Alexei at 5. I think the most likely one would be JRE because, as we've seen, he's already getting um, some starting nods when they decide to either rest or like semi rest favors where they don't rest mm-hmm. him for the game. He's active, but he's not starting, right? JRE, I think, would take. And Mark's mentioned the idea of playing JRE alongside a true big, like mm-hmm. a favors or, you know, whoever God, they fa- out there. Not to get you off topic here, but no, favors has been bad. Real bad. Like and there was I, a, there was a play him. in last night's game where Josh you drove into him. the paint oh my and gosh, drew the yes. defense and dropped yes. a beautiful little drop off pass to favors wide open. Dude didn't dunk it. Tried to just bunny Lay hop. and couldn't even get the ball hands. over the rim. And didn't even get, yeah, oh, it was awful. Very was frustrating. Awful. Very frustrating. Uh, I mean, just I, another topic. Josh Giddy, I think, is like third in assist of all rookies right now and could be like so much more. I think Matt Moore is uh, third, HB only basketball. third in all rookies. I uh, maybe I'm making that up. He that might be where he's first. I thought first is rebounds, he's, but I'm I first think or he's got to be first. Um, but he's top 25 in the league in assists. And that's like, can you imagine if he actually had players who could mm-hmm. make some of those? Anyway, sorry. I, I, I would say JRE would be the, the most likely candidate next if like Basley does get bench traded, etc. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right. Next (laughs) next one. True or false. Shea Gilgis Alexander will average seven, three point attempts per game this season. That's where he is at right now. Seven, three pointers a game currently shooting 33.3%. This one's a little tough too. Um, I guess just kind of tie in last night's game. Like I said, since we didn't really break it down um, last night in a separate podcast, like the one thing I've noticed from Shea, and this is a lot of trying to fill everything out, right? Like when we are bringing in additional talent, like a Josh Giddy, for example, um, Shea's trying to have to fill that out and learn how to play alongside him. And so there was games like the very first game against the Jazz. There was a, a games like last night where Shea isn't nearly as aggressive as, as I would like for him to be, right? Um, 15 points. Uh, he, he still had one of the, I think, some of the most uh, shot attempts on the team. I'm pulling up the box score right now. Uh, here it is, yeah. 14 shot attempts, but like, Shea should be shooting the ball close to 20 times. We mentioned that last year as well. That was a knock on him until he really got going there and was doing that pretty consistently. I want to see that again. And so I do worry a little bit about that, but I'm still going to say, yes, he uh, true. He does average more than seven threes a game because even last night, only shooting the ball 14 times, 50% of those, seven of those were from three. He was two of mm-hmm. seven. That three-point shot isn't consistent right now, but I love seeing him shoot at least seven of those. I just like to see him get more drives to the rim as well. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm going to go more than seven or at, at least at seven per game uh, for the rest of the way for Shea. I, I think he's developed a lot there. They haven't all dropped in yet, uh, but he's getting better and better at them. Yep. Uh, let's stay on the topic of three-point shots. True or false, Josh Giddy will end the season shooting at least 33.3% from the three-point line. That is where he is currently at right now. He takes two and a half a game. He's making one out of every three, 33.3%. Will Josh finish there or above? That would be true. He at least finishes there, or is it false? He's going to drop below that. 
I don't want to keep saying true for every single one of these, but when you throw when you throw at least in there, um, I think I think that's correct because we've seen him get some just wide open attempts. Um, obviously, that percentage is not good enough um, for defenders to consistently guard him out there, especially with how honestly I'm going to go ahead and say it elite that he is driving to the rim um, for a rookie in this league. And so because of that, I think they're going to be packing the paint when you have guys like um, like Josh Giddy and honestly even Lou and Shea. Like, I don't know. I think Josh is going to get a lot of wide open looks. Because of that, I think he will knock some of those down. The shot looks good. The motion looks good. Um, he does get rushed sometimes still. But I think he'll continue to hone that in. The only way I think that could be false is if we do see, for example, Shea get injured, Lou get injured, Shea sits, whatever it may be later in the season, and Josh is just getting like a ton of time, a ton of minutes. Um, and then maybe he just starts like hoisting three pointers and doesn't get him to fall. But I still think that's going to be a true. Yeah, I'm going to go true on this just barely. I think he could be at like 34% yep. because I don't think he will hoist. I think he is very, very mature and he makes the right play every time. And so it's hard for me to see him ever forcing shots. Um, and true. forcing bad shots. And so I think the threes he takes will be good three-point shots. That's a good And point. I think that will help his percentage out. Um, next one, Alexei Pokashevsky. Will he average, true or false, he will average at least 14 minutes a game this season, which is where he is at right now, 13.9 games or minutes per game. Will he average at least that this season, true or false? <laughs> at least that yes true um i'm just going I, I i think he's going to average quite a bit more than that just because i think later on the season they're going to get poku a lot of burn uh, they're going to get a lot of again, these young guys a lot of burn once i think the the g league blue season is over um so i'm going true and the reason i'm going true is because i think we'll be looking closer to like between 16 to 18 minutes by the time the season's over just because those guys are going to get priority minutes yeah i think that's fair i also question if guys like Darius Baisley will be on this team uh, the entire, sorry, not Darius Baisley, maybe Darius oh. Baisley, but <laughs> Derek, um, Favors. Derek, Derek Favors will be on this team long-term. If he's not, then you're pretty much solely playing Jeremiah Robinson Earl at the five, which opens up more minutes in that front court for Alexei Pokashevsky. Right. I think this is, is true as well. He will average more than 14 minutes a game. All right, next one, Taylor. Jeremiah Robinson Earl will have the highest minutes per game of all the centers on the roster. Ooh. So that would be Derek Favors, JRE, Mike Muscala, and Isaiah Roby. Uh, he is currently in second place on this. Favors averages 17 minutes a game. Robinson Earl averages 16.6. Muscala 15.1. And Roby 10.3. This, again, this true or false is... Jeremiah Robinson Earl will average the most minutes per game of any of the centers on roster. Yep. That is tough. Um, because if basically I, I have to decide now if I think favors is going to be traded or not, if he is traded or maybe that's false as well, because you know, later on the season they could just agree to rest favors. And yeah. Or he just doesn't do play a lot cause he's not good. Yeah. Honestly, that's fair as well. Gosh, I don't want to keep saying true, but I feel like I have to here, especially after I told you that if um, if Baisley dips below 10 points per game, that I thought JRE was the best candidate to be the fourth uh, player in averaging double-digit points yeah. per game. So I think I have to go true again, just based off that. Can I take a minute and talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl? Yeah, absolutely. We have plenty of time. 
<laughs> a few things I've noticed. Number one, it became very evident to me in that Golden State game, and maybe it was just a bad matchup, but he moves defensively so much better than Derek Favors does. Derek Favors, whenever he got in against Golden State, every ball screen, he dropped like a ridiculous amount to where the ball handler could come off the screen set by Looney or Draymond Green, kind of get to that midi range and hit like a little pull-up um, and favors is in no place to contest it where I think Robinson Earl uh, is just more versatile defensively. He can hedge, he can switch uh, and he can drop. And I think it's not by coincidence that the two games, Jeremiah Robinson Earl has started yep. are the, the two games that they've played against the golden state warriors, really the only team that doesn't have like a quote unquote dominant big man, right? The, the first game against the season, the Utah Jazz, they had Rudy Gobert. Um, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, have massive dudes, including Anthony Davis. Um, the Houston Rockets uh, have Christian Wood, who's like very versatile. I think maybe they should have started Jeremiah Robinson Earl there. And that's yep. maybe the counterpoint to my argument. But it feels like whenever they haven't had to play an elite big man, they start JRE. When they do play an elite big man, they start Derek Favors just for the the physical strength and the size. Yeah, and then the size. Yeah. Now, but I I agree with you completely. Um, and to, kind of to your point, you know, we've seen I think what JRE JRE is able to bring to that starting lineup. It, uh, he's strong enough to to, you know, kind of bang with some of those bigger centers like you mentioned. Um, being undersized, he still is is very defensively sound when it comes to playing bigger offensive players. Um, he has great instincts, obviously, but the biggest thing is he spaces the floor in the offensive end while yeah. still being able to hold up defensively. And, we, and we've seen that spacing is massive. And, right, that's why right. you're seeing like Mike Muscala start to get more minutes because they exactly. want to space the floor and give guys like Josh and Shea driving lanes. Let them exactly. get to the basket and make stuff happen. Totally agree. agree. Completely. All right, Taylor, next one. Josh Giddy ends the season seventh or worst on this team in usage. He is at seventh right now, and I will get that list pulled up if you give me just a second. Seventh or worse in usage. I think I'm going to go ahead and say this is going to be my first false. Um, I think he's going to be very high up there in terms of usage, especially later on the season. We're already seeing him so far basically force Dignall's hand and giving him more minutes. Uh, Jacob, you and I talked about, or we were... Um, kind of messaging back and forth in our Slack about Teo Maladome. Last night um, only ends up after we talked about this on Wednesday's postgame pod where he got a lot of burn against the Lakers, um, sometimes to the detriment of the team, a lot, a little bit of a Lakers comeback there. Last night he only gets eight minutes, while Josh Giddy ends up with 27, only one minute less than Shea, and the same exact minutes played as Baisley. Um, mm -hmm. So basically tied for the third highest on the team with Baisley. I think we're going to continue to see that. And again, that's just, just because Giddy's exceeded, exceeded um, expectations. I think that even the coaching staff had for him this early on and basically just like you have to play him. Um, so I think his use, usage rate is going to be pretty high, especially if we see games where I mentioned this earlier in the podcast where Shay does maybe rest or is maybe just like a little dinged up. So he, he takes like two games off the ball's going to be in Giddy's hands almost the entire game in that instance. Yeah. And so I think because of that, that usage rate is going to go quite a bit up. Let me ask you this. Do you have usage pulled up right now for the Thunder? 
I do not. Okay, don't do it. Don't do okay, it. Good. Shea leads the team in usage at 27.5%. Okay. That means 27.5% of Shea's possessions result in either a made basket by Shea, free throws by Shea, or an assist by Shea. So that doesn't surprise me. We, what does surprise me is that taking that, that true or false into consideration that Getty's seventh in usage. Yeah. I didn't Can realize you guess who number low. two is? And, and minutes don't oh. matter. It's just the percentage oh, okay. of the possessions that you're on the court oh, ending okay. in. And um, you shooting, free throwing, or assisting. Well, before you said that, I was going to say Baisley, but since you put it that way, I think it's going to be a player who hasn't played a ton. Um, oh, man. Who offensively on this Poku? team? Whenever, Poku is number two at 21.3%. <laughs> Can you, wow. you? There's no way you'll get number three. There's no way. No way. Um, I mean, I guess you have a 1 in 13 chance now. Gabe, one one Gabe, in twelve chance because you you've rolled out Shea, Poku, and Giddy. Gabe Deck, something Isaiah wild like Roby that. is number Roby. three, twenty one percent usage. That's weird. Baisley is four at twenty percent okay. usage. I knew Baisley was going to be high. Yeah. Trey Mann and Lou Dort are tied at nineteen point five percent usage, and then Josh Giddy is at nineteen point three. Wow! 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 Interesting. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I think Very some fun. of that those usage numbers are kind of skewed. Like people who miss shots off giddy assists, um, those those don't end up as as um, in Giddy's usage. So, last true or false for you, Taylor? SGA and Josh Giddy both end the season averaging at least nine potential assists per game. <laughs> Oh, okay. Hey, can you tell me what both of them are at right now? Do yes, I'm it? getting it pulled up. Give me oh, just sorry. a second. <laughs> so Let's go to some to tracking thing. stats. I looked it up earlier and I didn't write it down and I should Okay. Tracking stats, passing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We will run it. Uh, oh, potential assist. Okay. Josh Giddy is at 8.8. Shea Gilgis Alexander is at 8.7. Ooh. They, the I'm truth is say, they will both end at nine or more. I'm going to say false. Okay. Um, and the reason being, and this is just maybe um, just kind of what I want <laughs> compared to what might actually happen. But what I think will happen is, is when Shay and Giddy do both get more comfortable playing alongside each other. I think what you really want to see is Giddy being the uh, distributor, the creator, the primary creator. Not that you don't want the ball in Shea's hands. Don't get me wrong. I think he's still going to have plenty of opportunity with the ball, ball in his hands. But um, I think Giddy is going to be kind of the guy setting others up, kind of like the Chris Paul and mm-hmm. Shea combo, right? And Shea's going to be kind of the de facto scorer. Um, so because of that, I don't think Shea will get there. I think Giddy, I think Giddy will. Interesting statistic. They are basically the same in potential assists, but Giddy has two more actual assists than Shea per game. That tells me that people aren't making shots based off Shea assists and they are off Giddy assists. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Kind of interesting. Very interesting. Giddy is also at 12.7 assists point assist points created uh, per game. Hmm. So that means Giddy creates 12.7 uh, points per game off his assists. Uh, that is up there with Brandon Ingram, uh, same area as D'Angelo Russell, Marcus Smart. Um, Bradley Beal, Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, he's in that range wow. as far as um, 
points created off assists per game. That makes sense. I totally can see that. Also, I pull up that image I was referencing earlier. You're right, Jacob. He is first in assists. It was the rebounds where he was third. Um, That's impressive. Points points at 10.8, he's seventh. Rebounds at 6.2, he's third amongst rookies in the league. Um, Assists, like I said, he's first, 5.6 assists. Uh, 1.4 steals is actually second amongst all rookies. And this is kind of the crazy stat for me. So take in mind all those that I, I just mentioned. Very, very impressive list. He's seventh amongst rookies in playing time at 28.2 minutes per game. There if you that go. goes up. Um, I think a lot of those stats go up as well. So that's really the, a lot of those averages. 100%. All right. That's, that's the end of your test, Taylor. Good job. You passed Yay. your true false uh, test. Let's. Um, we said we were going to bust it out at the beginning of the season. So, you know, we've got to do it. It's time for the tank meter. Love it. Loser! You're a loser! And that means that the number one pick in the NBA draft goes to... All right, Taylor, on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being that this team is in full-blown tank mode, 1 being that they're making a playoff push, where would you put the Thunder tank after this last week? Um, 1... Uh, being that the tank is completely full, like I'm talking, um, somebody's filling up their their car. No, you you, you got it backwards. Station. Ten is completely full. One is playoff. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then ten. Yes, at ten, absolutely full. Um, and it, that might seem a little strange after the Thunder did win a game this past week, but the reason I would put it at like basically overflowing is because. Again, this is what we, we talked about this at the top of the podcast. This is what some of these national media people don't understand. Like, I think this is the perfect, this is what you want to see with this tank. Um, you re, These young guys were rewarded with a win against a really good Los Angeles Lakers team. Granted, LeBron wasn't playing, but still a sound team. They were able to get a win, but they still went one and two on the week. <laughs> and that right there is going to keep you, I think, where you want to be um, come lottery picks. Well, also keeping these young guys engaged and not down themselves and optimistic, optimistic and excited. We're seeing player development win, win, win. So because of that very, very full tank, that's the tank that the thunder and Presti are going towards. Not the, the Sixers process where you lose every game. Everybody has their hand, their heads down. Nerland's Noel is pissed off and disengaged, etc. I think that's fair. Uh, I'd probably put it at an eight this week just because they did win. Um, not that, you know, Winning is bad, but when you are a tanking team and you beat the Los Angeles Lakers, um, that's not exactly according to plan. But I also think, uh, I mean, the tank is technically for what the Oklahoma City Thunder are doing. But, Taylor, the unprotected Los Angeles Clippers pick. The Clippers are currently one and four. Yes. One and four. Just a black eye to the league. And these, those two teams will play again tomorrow. As of right now, on the Tankathon Sim, uh, the Thunder are tied for the second best odds. Or sorry, no, they're they're in sole position of the second best odds. I don't know. Um, the Thunder at one and five. There are three teams at one and six. The Clippers are at one and four. Um, I know we're only two weeks into the season, but screw it. I'm hitting that spin button, uh, yes. and the Thunder end up with like two and six on that first spin. Um, oh god that next spin is bad six and nine Ooh. nice but not very really nice. nice but not nice <laughs> spin it again six and eight spin hey, it w- again one and eight yeah, um 
not ideal. I don't There's think, some good ones there. Yeah, I don't think that that Clippers pick is going to end up being that bad. I don't either, but, but I will say this. You have to be happy that the Clippers season has started off so poorly. Right. Because that's just better and better and better for the Thunder. And for Thunder fans that are already tracking like lottery balls, I think tomorrow night, Oklahoma City versus Los Angeles Clippers out in L.A., uh, by the way, I will have the post game tomorrow night. I don't know if I'll do, go live because that'll be at midnight local time. <laughs> I don't know who's going to stay up and watch that, but I will have a post game pod for you guys. I think you want the Thunder to win tomorrow because the Thunder aren't going to have problems losing games the rest of the way. So you want to get the the Clippers as much losses as possible. That's a good point. Yeah, we don't have to worry. Like the Thunder are going to end up bottom three record in the league, regardless if they win tomorrow or not. The Clippers, a couple losses here and there that they shouldn't get, maybe bounces them into the lottery, and that's all that the Thunder can ask for. So, Thunder fans, you want to root loud and proud. uh, If you're if you're already focused on lottery balls, you want to root loud and proud for the Thunder to win in LA tomorrow night. I like that a lot. And I I was just going to say, on on, in terms of the the Clippers, like, and Jacob, I can't remember what game this this was. Maybe you remember. Um, but the Clippers played a, played a game this past week where PG had 40 plus and was mm-hmm. like, uh, what do you call it? His MVP season, AKA when he finished third in MVP voting, kind of funny anyways. Um, I mean, just like a, an all out PG OKC or OKC Thunder PG game and the Clippers still lost, which is a good sign. I think for, for Thunder fans, unless Kawhi miraculously comes back earlier than expected. Yeah. No. Uh, and I don't think that's happening. Agreed. I do not think that's happening. All right, Taylor, let's take a short trip around the association before we get out of here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Cool. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, some interesting things going on in the league as far as standings are concerned. The New York Knicks, Chicago Bulls, Washington Wizards, and the Miami Heat are all tied for the number one seed in the East at five and one. As expected. Out of all of those, which one is the most surprising? Ooh. um, I think it's pretty simple for me. It's the Washington Wizards. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I was going to say, can I cheat and say that, you know, number five uh, is a team that's five and two. They used to played one more game. The Charlotte Hornets yeah. are right up there with with me as well. But I, I agree. The Wizards being five and one is surprising, although there was a lot of talk. I will say there was a lot of talk preseason that the way that this roster was constructed after the rush trade, while it doesn't have the same star power, it might be better suited to win like, more regular season games. And I a think lot that's, of depth. We talked so about far, this good, yeah. in the offseason. Yeah, yep. definitely. Um, number 15 in the East, the Indiana Pacers. Ooh, what's more surprising that the Washington wizards are tied in a four way tie for the number one seed or that the Indiana Pacers are dead last in the East. I think that the, the, just because of what I mentioned, the reasoning to why I wasn't completely shocked by the wizards being uh, as high as they are so far, it's gotta be the Pacers for me. I mean, bring Domas home. <laughs> I would love that. You know, I, I would, would love do. that. I'm a huge do. fan of, but no, it very surprising. Um, almost kind Brogdon. of fits everything that this thunder team wants to build to high IQ, great passer. Yep. Floor spacer, but lob finisher for Giddy from Europe and SGA from Europe. Yes. <laughs> it all kind of I fits mean, kind of from Europe, but yes, yeah, it all kind of fits. <laughs> it does. I, I like that, but no, it, it's certainly surprising. Um, Especially with why am I going blank on the old Dallas Mavericks coach name? Why, does, um, why does it uh, Rick me? Carlisle. Rick Carlisle. Thank you. Yeah, um, thought he would have more success early on at coaching some of that young talent. So I don't know. They're they are finally getting completely healthy. They have Karis LeVert back now, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, very very surprising to see them down there with the Magic and the Pistons. Just a black eye of the NBA, Jacob. Black eye. Yes. Hey, so the Western Conference, two teams tied for the number one seed, the Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors. Either of those surprise you? Um, no, because I had the Jazz up high preseason, and I think you and I both had the Warriors up pretty high, but you had them even higher than I did. Hey, um, So this kind of goes with what you had predicted. The Warriors being 5-1 and one and Clay not being back yet, and they're now about a month and a half away from getting him back. And like, there's some real flaws too, right? That Clay obviously will help out with. But that's an incredible. I mean, when Clay comes back, Jordan Poole goes to the bench. Six man. And then Andrew Wiggins has been really good for them. Maybe the COVID vaccine gave him superpowers. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And they haven't even really. I mean, Kaminga played for his first time ever last night against the Thunder. Um, We still have not seen James Wiseman. I don't know if he's injured. I haven't paid that much of attention to it, but. There's still other things they could kind of unlock here. Like, yes. 
I don't think this is a hot take, Taylor. I don't know. You tell me. Are the Warriors, like, is their percentage chance of making it to the finals, like, has it actively climbed the past two weeks? Yeah, no, I, I, I think From so. Preseason to now? Like you said, basically. I, I know a lot still hinges on Clay, now. but I feel right. much more confident about making a proclamation that the Golden State Warriors could be in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. I mean... It, if you get an, an 80% Clay, I think that's... Yeah, that I mean, shit, team. it's not like the Lakers are impressing you. Right. You know, right, and I think they will get together still. But no, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, the Suns have had early struggles uh, mm-hmm. after we thought they'd come in with, you know, all their synergy from last season. Um, yeah, they, they haven't looked super impressive. The Nuggets are right there at four and two, right, which, which is, is also surprising with no Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. So we'll see kind of how like teams like them, and maybe the biggest surprise is Timberwolves. We can we can get into that, but the Timberwolves started we... last year hot too. I'm not buying into the Timberwolves yet. Okay. But I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm, I'm very intrigued. intrigued. I love watching. They're, I like they're watching a much them. more fun brand of basketball. They're fun to watch, and they maybe have the player with the best quotes in the league. Yeah, Anthony Edwards is like the perfect interview. He's They awesome. asked him about Giannis scoring the ball, and he said, man, that muffa is like <laughs> seven foot two, 280 pounds. Shit, we could put you the whole team on him. him. He's still scoring. Yeah, I love that. He is hilarious. Before we move on. He's to- effing good too much uh the last thing i wanted to say about the warriors is just that like i'm i'm just curious how much they value one championship like being this season or like next season compared to like trading some of those long term trading some of those kids yeah kaminga obviously james wiseman moody's Uh, got some burn early on he's kind of in the rotation you can trade some of those guys and get a very talented uh another piece championship Mm -hmm. piece for this championship contender but then you lose all of your Long term, uh, yeah, and I think they, I think they would prefer just to ride the season out as it is what it is type of thing. Too. But man, if Clay comes back and can play, that team gets very scary very quickly. I agree because that's like that's the Utah Jazz's nightmare in the oh playoffs. Gosh, I mean, just <laughs> throw Draymond at the five; he can guard Rudy Gobert. I was gonna say, and sit, at the other end, Draymond's just gonna run dribble handoffs and get guys wide open for threes as Rudy drops and doesn't. But on the bench, yeah, I'm not sure he could play in that series. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah, that's Utah's like, that's Utah's nightmare. So we talked about the Timberwolves. Um, I agree that a super fun team that are exceeding expectations. The Kings kind of fall in a similar boat there so far. Uh, yeah, Kings, Kings are like 27th in the league in defense, though. Um, it's yeah. pretty on brand. Some of that seems like I would it's expect gonna... that to kind of level off. As Lakers well. off to a slow start, which we kind of expected. The Blazers is a fun one to keep an eye on right there at three and three, yeah. just because if things go south, what happens? Memphis is also a fun one to keep an eye on. John Morant's been great, and he's all you hear is candidate. he's made the leap. He's made the and they're three and right. three. They're and still they're three at, three. Yeah. at 500, you know, nothing to write home about yet. Jaw has been freaking incredible, though. It's insane. He's and then he good. has guys that like Desmond Bain, second-year player Desmond Bain stepping up. Um, D'Anthony Melton playing really well for them. So they, they have a really oh, – Steven Adams has looked really good with this yeah. offense. Good for him, man. Steve-o. And then, Taylor, I think we'll we'll end with the team in last place in the West. Yes, that's what I was going to bring The New up. Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> We have had a Zion Williams sighting. Oh my! A lot of gosh. people got the mentions and just tweeted um, gifts of penguins walking because they're so fat <laughs> they have to waddle. I mean, um, Kamiar's hottest takes of all of his hot takes that he had, I thought was going to be the most ridiculous, and that's why it was the most funny. 
fat Julius Randle. But oh my God, that the accuracy of that hot take. I mean, what Julius Randle did last season is still doing this season. And then seeing Zion this season before he even plays a game. Kami Art was onto something and I yeah. love it. He, that man does not look like he lost weight. He looks like he, I, okay, J.O., you, I, I can't believe I didn't send this to you. I, I briefly went past it and I didn't send it to you guys and I wish I would have, but I saw a tweet after last night's game where RJ, uh, tight, or sorry, broke his career high. He had set a new career high. Um, who did they play last night? RJ, RJ Barrett. Barrett. Okay. Um, with the Knicks that I can't even remember who the Knicks played last night. That's terrible. Anyways, he sets a new career high. Actually, I think I have this pulled up. Um, because it makes the joke way funnier. <laughs> so they play the Pelicans. Speaking of the Pelicans, they play the Pelicans. Okay. okay. So they play the Pelicans. RJ has a career high with 35 points. And I saw a tweet of somebody that said, uh, for, uh you know, former teammates RJ and Zion. Uh RJ drops 35 points or, or drops 35. Uh Zion could could or what's what's the word I'm looking for there? I can't. Off the top of my head, RJ Taylor, could, you're ruining this joke, man. It's bad, but basically, saying that Zion could, you know, it should should drop 35, drop 35 pounds. Gotcha. There you go. Uh, yeah, I Not good delivering the punchline there, but we'll uh, Ooh. we'll forgive you, Taylor. Awesome. <laughs> uh, any more thoughts before we get out of here for the night, Taylor? Um, week ahead for OKC. They they finish their West Coast trip right. They they play the Clippers tomorrow night at nine thirty, and then they Lakers play on the Lakers. Yeah, on Wednesday, and then do they play next Friday? Is that right, or they is it may. Saturday? They do play Sunday night against the Spurs. Oh, okay. so it's, Sunday against the Spurs. Uh, actually, a, it's Clippers on Monday, Lakers on Thursday, Spurs on Sunday. So it's only okay. a three game week. Tell me your uh, your predictions for the, for the week. One uh, one and two, man. One or two. two. Win a week. That's what I said at the beginning of the season. A win yep. a week. I'm going win a week as well. I think it will be against the Spurs, which means that they'll probably win tomorrow night against Golden State. Uh, or sorry, against uh, the Clippers. I'm taking the like, Clippers. Clippers okay. win tomorrow night. They lose against I'll the take San the Spurs, Spurs, but like that's the way too obvious. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Well, hey, thank you guys for joining the podcast. If you're on the live stream tonight, shout out to you, man. We appreciate you guys for jumping on, hanging out with us. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, thanks so much. Make sure to go drop a five-star rating. Hey, if you do drop a five-star rating, screenshot that bad boy. Type something up in the in the review. Send that screenshot to at the underscore uncontested on Twitter. I'll mail you some free uncontested stickers. I've got like 10 envelopes ready to go out tomorrow. Get in on it before the stickers are gone. They're dope. They're so cool. I'll, I'll shoot you a few stickers if you shoot us a five-star rating. Make it happen. As mentioned just a second ago, Thunder have three games this week. We will have post-game pods for you after Monday's game against the Clippers and Thursday's game against the Lakers. The next Sunday after the Spurs game, we will be live again right here at 9 p.m. Central Time for our weekly live stream. Make sure to join us and hang out. If you're on the live stream right now, Taylor's got the stickers pulled up on an image. They're dope. They're clean. They're holographic like that Charizard you always wanted. <laughs> Make it happen. Until... Tomorrow, when we will see you guys again, take it easy. Have a great beginning of your week. And we'll talk to you soon. Thunder up. Thunder up.